This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, usually in studio with me is my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz couldn't join us this morning. He's doing something way more important than, uh, than chatting sports. Naz, uh, Naz is down doing a five-kilometer walk for Parkinson's this morning, uh, starting off at the CNE. and uh, uh, We wish Naz all the best. Uh, Naz has uh, faced his challenges in that area. He's uh, inspired me, and I... Uh, I wish him a great walk. I wish all the walkers down there, you're, you're supporting a fantastic cause. And uh, Naz, I hope the sun shines on you today. All the best. Joining me in studio, my, uh, as co-host, dual co-host this morning, uh, Butch Carter, Farmer Raptors coach. He's ready to go this morning. And the ultimate Leafs fan, uh, no stranger around this studio and no stranger to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Wilson. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody. How are you? How are you guys doing today? Good. You ready, Butch? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any choice when I come on this show. <laughs> I get interviewed by a lawyer. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, let's put it this way. It's an interview. It's not a cross-examination. Okay. <laughs> I'm only down here for fun. Uh, guys, uh, we got a, f- a few areas we want to go to today. Just to let our listeners know, in the middle of the hour, we'll be talking to Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer. Carmine Marcantonio, I always love pronouncing that name, gets me to uh, utilize my Italian accent from time to time. Carmine is a Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, member of the great uh, Toronto uh, uh, NASL champions, 1976, Metros Croatia, uh, capped by the Canadian national soccer team. We're going to talk about two great soccer stories. Obviously, the FC's victory last night in a dramatic win in overtime against D.C. United, and a fantastic performance by the Canadian men's national soccer team. Uh, Earlier in the week, they beat the Americans for the first time since 1994 in an overwhelming performance down at BMO. I'm thrilled and looking forward to talking to Carmen about that. Gentlemen, it's always uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs tend to attract uh, all the attention in this city uh, most of the time, and... uh, we're off to a start. They won last night. They beat the nemesis, Boston Bruins, four to three in overtime. Mike, your assessment. Uh, we haven't had a, haven't had you in in a little while. Your assessment of the Leafs so far and uh, last night's game. Well, I think what we're seeing is that teams have, um, you know, obviously done their homework in the off season on how this hockey club operates and a highly skilled team. I think what you saw last night is two games last night. The first part of the game for the first 60 minutes was a bangham crash and playoff type contest where the Bruins were obviously going to try and be physical, play heavy on the puck and play heavy under sticks with the Leafs. And when you got into the overtime and the skill set, Sean, the Bruins didn't even touch the puck in overtime. It was men against boys. And so I think what the Maple Leafs can take away from that is that when they're moving their feet and they're using their skills to their advantage, they've got to go through guys. They've got to stop standing around and keep moving. You're going to get hit. 
And Tuesday night, they're going to get try to get run out of the building. And I'm telling you, I'm Tuesday looking, in Boston. Tuesday in the Boston. The return match. The return match in Boston. And, you know, you can look on the sidelines and Skinny Minnie Miller from Roller Derby. You could be standing <laughs> there ready to go in because that's what it's going to be. And, you know, Freddie Anderson was getting run last night a couple of times. But I think the good takeaway from Leaf fans is we have to show a little patience because this hockey club is still finding its feet. You've got 11, 12 guys new to the lineup. Uh, the defense pairings are all trying to get themselves together. CC, I think, is not used to playing at this high level. He's been struggling a little bit from what I can see, but he seems to be getting a little bit better getting his feet under him. Uh, Barry seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable with his role. And remember, he's playing second-line minutes in a power play as opposed to the first when he was at the Avalanche. So I think... As the season progresses, you know, every point is valuable. And really, all you really have to do is make the playoffs. That's first and foremost. But you're a keen observer of the, you love watching the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you're a keen observer. You've been, uh, uh, commented quite frequently. Uh, you're pleased that the, the Leaf turnaround, the structure of the team's better. Um, coach, uh, you obviously coach at the highest levels of professional sports. You look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team. You break it down. Uh, are they be- are they a better team overall than they were last year? I think. What, are you, what are you seeing? I, it. I think it's too early to tell uh, if they're a better team. I th- think that John being hurt is a golden opportunity for the young kids to step up. And the environment in which they played last night and what they'll play in Tuesday is really what championship hockey is about. So the fact that Matthews made the play and Marner made the goal last night, it helps. But, you know, basically all you did was stick your toe in the water. Now you got to stick your whole body when you go in Boston and play. But I thought when, when, with John being out, I think his, um, subliminal personality, um, for it to sit on the side and let those guys decide who they are in the locker room, I think it'll be help, be great help for the franchise. I think as the general manager and president get to evaluate them without John, um, because we know what he is. He is Mr. Consistent. Um, he's basically Kawhi Leonard in a, in a blue shirt, but the young kids, uh, have to show that they can rise to another level. And you talk about the skill, but again, the good teams, the good coaches have taken the summer and said, you know, let's take the skill away. And so uh, they have to play at a higher level. It is a great evaluation period right now for uh, for them, for the Leafs, to look and see who is going to have long-term value. And I believe if something fails in this period that John is out, then one of those young players will be traded. Interesting. Um Interesting week for the Leafs. Uh, they took on Minnesota. Minnesota is not one of the top dogs in the league uh, this year. Had a fairly easy time of it, let's put it that way. Tough game against Washington. Um, we tend to, in Toronto, uh, we tend to microanalyze every single coaching decision that happens. Uh, Mike Babcock, uh, you know, came in as the Messiah, and uh, I th- would surmise that he's under he may not feel it but uh there's certain a lot a lot more eyes on him uh now um people are looking at all of his moves and the one move that he gets criticized for aside from uh from time to time he he doesn't play his best players or you know enough apparently uh but his 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 selection of goalies on the back to backs it seems like it's a fixture now Anderson in the first one, Hutchinson in the second one. That's going to come up again tomorrow and Tuesday because they're playing Columbus tomorrow. Columbus night. Yeah. So uh, 
we'll likely see Anderson. Be shocked if we don't see Anderson tomorrow night. We're going to see Hutchinson. I I feel like why just do that automatically? I'm going to ask you to comment, Mike, and then Butch. I want you to respond at, from a coach's perspective. Why just automatically throw Anderson out there in the first game and then Hutchinson in the second game? Why not analyze who you're playing against? I would have thought you want your best goalie against the best team you're playing. I almost feel like they're. I almost feel like they're setting Hutchinson up to put put him in a position where he can't succeed, and he, and he's getting no confidence, and he's always up against the other team's best. The other, you know, sometimes it's a better team, and it's the night after when they're tired. Mike, what do you think about that? Okay, so I mean, first off, as as far as Mike Babcock goes, everybody knows there's no off switch as far as he his as far as his mindset goes towards hockey. It's twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and this guy checks all the boxes as a coach. And I think there's extreme pressure put on him to win. And the way this guy is wired is to win every game, and every game is as important as the next. So the way his mindset, and I can only you know think this myself by watching the way he's responded, is that if he takes his number one goalie and starts the number two goalie in front of him against Columbus. He's conceding to the team that he thinks this is a weaker opponent and it's not as important as the game the next night. And that's not the way this guy is wired, as I said. Every game to him is he wants to win. He wants every point. He wants to win every shift. And that's the way this guy has been operating from the time he stepped in the National Hockey League and probably when he was coaching in college. So I think... The fact of the matter is, I don't think he's setting, uh, you know, Hutchinson up to be to fulfill. I think he's setting him up to win, because what if he goes in and stones Boston, and all of a sudden, and I know Freddie's got a fantastic record against Boston, so maybe there is. I mean, I'm with you at times. Maybe you could make these adjustments, but that's not. You the hit way it. I you hit a things. very valuable point. Uh, Anderson's got a great record against Boston regular season, mm-hmm. twelve and two. Well, look so, at the starting lineup last night. <laughs> Well, so, so you would think we're going to see Anderson against Boston Tuesday night. That would be the most logical decision. This will be a very, very interesting how this sets up. Butch, um, uh, you're, you've obviously coached at the highest levels of professional sports. Uh, you've got a decision which goalie to play. I don't know if there's. A, I don't. I can't think of a basketball parallel. Is there one? No, but there was a parallel last year. When you look at the final, St. Louis and Boston, right? <clears throat> they they spoke of how well the second goalie played, but the issue is you keep talking about the goalie. What about the line in front of the goalie, right? So Hutchinson's chance to operate and be successful would be based off of the guy, the line that's playing in front of him. So you know, at the end of the day, the goal is always scored against the goalie, but the goal is scored against the line in front of the goalie. Right, so the issue is on back-to-back games. All right, to give proper load management. All right, so that Anderson is is playing at his strength at the end of the year. The analytics are showing these guys that the second guy needs to be good thirty nights. Right, so he's only twenty-five to thirty. Right, twenty-five to thirty. Okay, so the issue at the end of the day is that you know there's four guys. There's a line in front of him and the goalie. All right, and if the line in front of him fails, no goalie has ever been successful. Right, so the Leafs' issue hasn't been how many goals they're scored. The issue is how many goals they stop. You're an analytics guy, okay, Butch. You you are one of the first analytics guys in basketball. You were looking at looking at these things a long time ago, long before it became popular. Every time you've come in studio over the course of the last few years, you always come in. We're not in when the season hasn't started, but you always did your research ahead of time and you come in with a folder full of stats. And you've been doing that a long time. You are ahead of the curve. Let me throw a stat at you that we just talked with Mike. Freddie Anderson's 12 and 2 
against the Boston Bruins in the regular season. Yep. They playing Monday night against Columbus. Yep. Columbus. You're Mike Babcock. Yep. What are the goaltending assignments? Because you know it's going to get split between the both of us. So who goes in net Monday night? Who goes in net Tuesday? Oh, no, night? I would I would play I would play Freddie Anderson Monday and Tuesday. Oh, and Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because it's that time of the year. This is a go period. Tavares is out. All right. So you want to lower. All right. Goals against. All right. So he puts a suit on Monday night. All right. They get on a short flight, charter flight to Boston. He puts a suit on Tuesday night in the jungle. Right? Why would you send all those kids out there without the best goalie behind them? Right? So from a load management standpoint, he would have played three, and then they leave Boston, and Hutchinson gets the, gets the next set. I mean, in, in my mind, at some point, all right, at some point he's going to have to play games like this in the playoffs and win them. You know, we make it. You know. But hang on, guys. Like, I, I disagree with that because, see, right away, what you're doing is you're, you're showing a lack of confidence in your number two goalie, and that's dangerous. Because what if what if all of a sudden Anderson gets hurt like he did last year and you got to throw sparks to the Wolves? And he had to play Columbus and, and the Islanders back to back last year in December. So I think the thing you have to do is the players have to be accountable. And you just touched on but, it earlier, but the, the players have to step up. They know what's at stake. Yeah, go ahead. They know what's at stake. I mean, they yeah. know who the Boston Bruins. They yeah. know they've lost two game sevens to them in a row. Right. They know what this hockey club is all about. They yeah. know who the pests are. They know what's going to go on. So the players have to step up themselves. And you cannot take the ball out of the hand of Hutchinson. you got to let him play because he's got to get better. And this is the best time to do it when it's early. And you're trying to save your goaltender for down the road so he doesn't get tired in Game 7 in the first round and lose both Game 7s. And, you know, he didn't play well in those games. So let me talk about balance. How many games games have the Leafs skated in? They're 5-3-1. Okay, so you think Anderson's tired right this time of the year? Right. No, See, so, so it's easy to stop sitting in the studio and tell a coach, you know, well, they got to have confidence. They got to step up. Hockey guys are always talking about stepping up. All right. In professional sports, it helps you if you're smarter than the other guy. Yeah. All right. What, what I'd like to see with Hutchinson <clears throat> is, you know, and you're right, Mike, confidence is everything for a goalie. It's everything for a goalie. But you're sticking them in the games that are the most difficult ones to win. I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's the best way of doing it, but uh, you well, know, you Babcock's making a lot of money to make those decisions, and uh, but uh, you got to find that out now. Yeah. You can't find that out in December when Freddie Anderson's all of a sudden hurt and he's got you know four games in a row against teams that are all in the playoffs. You got to find it now if he can play or not, and if he can't play, you get somebody else. But again, that's just your opinion. All well, right? I know, but that's- Bab- Bab- Babcock and Shanny are paid a lot of money. All right. To make decisions, we sit in a chair, yep. an armchair quarterback them, and at the end of the day, professionally, I believe my suggestion would be we're going to we're going to war two nights in a row. We're going to go to war two nights in a row in the playoffs. So they don't you know, play back to back in the playoffs. Okay, so but the issue is then he won't be tired. But right now, and that's not the way Babcock thinks. I'm I'm telling you the way Babcock thinks. Oh, I know, I know the that's the way, way he thinks. And Shanahan, yeah. that's the way they think like yeah. this. Okay, so, so the issue, the issue yeah. at the end of the day is that there have been thinkers in all sports that weren't correct at the time and needed to adjust. Anyways, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's quite possible. <laughs> on that note, uh, I, I doubt very much that Mike Babcock really cares what we think. <laughs> let, let me give you an example, yeah. quick example. Yeah. All right, um, the Raptors are in deep doo doo in a playoff series with Philadelphia, and Nick Nurse knows it. He goes to Philly and plays a game and puts his defense in front of his bench, which you do not do. 
All right, normal road game. Your defense to start the game is away from you, and they and they got a lead. They kept the lead and they won the game. All right, which would set them up to win at home in Game Six. But one of the most defining moments in the young coach's career, first year coach, was he did what somebody else would not do, and by the defense being in front of his bench, he he could have a voice to help them and assistant coaches. So um, I just go to, regardless of what someone has been, at some point to help a player, you need to do something to help them through. He's saying that he needs to evaluate Hutchison, all right? I'm not going to disagree with that. But I'm saying this whole period that Tavares is out, you really need to see who you are because at the end of the day, you're not trading John Tavares. <laughs> no, that's not right. Happening. These kids yeah. and the goalie in front of them have to stand up. They got to stand. They got to step up. They no, but the st- way this team has been built, this team has been built to to withstand an injury to a Tavares or a Matthews or Marner. Look at last year, and Matthews was out 14 games. The Leafs had a winning record, and they still they still moved on. That's the strength of the general manager building the depth within the organization to cover off for that. The real concern here. You just is made that, Matthews out to be better than what he is. Matthews is quite good. Okay, but <laughs> he's an exceptional so, player. Yeah, but they won without it, without him, right? Yeah, but but, but so, uh, how many games did the Raptors win last year without Kawhi? They won most of them. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. my whole point. They won most of and them. But they've won. They wouldn't have won the first round of the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard last year. No, they wouldn't. They they, they wouldn't have they won. won anything. Yeah, without exactly. Them. So, right. so there you go. Yeah. So there's there's my and, point and they can't right and there. they're not winning the Stanley Cup without fair, Austin fair, Matthews. Fair comment. Let's uh, let's leave it off on that one. <laughs> no. I love the debate, guys. You guys are you guys are uh, you're going. Uh, love the dynamic. That's fantastic. Listen, we're going to go to break. Uh, Want to come back uh, after the break? We're going to talk about something, Butch. Uh, we briefly got into it a while ago. It's the status of compensating student athletes. There's a new law that came out in California that threatens to turn college athletics in the United States upside down, and it's acquired a momentum. I know, Butch, that uh, it's a topic that hits home with you. Uh, So we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back, and we'll chat about that. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! We'll never be the snazziest dressed! What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. 
To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village on the new AM740, downtown Toronto. We're also on 96.7 FM. Live video streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. If you want to grab a little Zoomer Radio app for your iPhone or your Google Android, uh, it's also a way to listen and watch the show if that's uh, that's what you want to do. I, I want to take this opportunity of thanking some new sponsors that we have on the show that are supporting us. We've added them over the course of the last few weeks. I'm talking about KPMG Enterprise, Real Media Tours, and Regal Security. Thank, uh, I want to thank all three of them for joining the Naz and Wally team. It's great to have you aboard and uh, appreciate the support. Thank you so much. In studio with me this morning, the Ultimate Leafs fan, Michael Wilson, and also former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Butch, we always said we were going to talk about uh, the unfairness of college athletics uh, in the United States. You've got, it's a multi-billion dollar business. The coaches are making a ton of dough, multi-million dollars. The agents are making a ton of dough. The kids aren't making a ton of dough. And the California legislature, uh, the NCAA and the NCAA has been criticized about this for years uh, to create a system that's more equitable and a more just system for the student athletes. The NCA never, as far as, uh, in my opinion, never got around to it. The floodgates are now open, Butch. Uh, the, the governor of California, Newsom, came in with a fair-to-play act. Uh, it's going to come into force in 2023 in California, uh, mandating, legislating, that college athletes are entitled to be paid for endorsements, not be paid a salary. They haven't gotten that far yet, but to be paid for their likenesses, their brand, their endorsements. This has been quickly followed up 
by the federal legislators. Like when they see a nice, good issues, the politicians <laughs> jump on board. They can smell the wind and the winds of change are coming to NCAA and God only knows where this is all going to end up. But this is Mitt Romney, former candidate for president of the United States of America, U.S. Senator in Utah. This is his quote. The reality is Congress is going to act. We are coming for you, NCAA. Them's fighting words, Butch. Them's are fighting words. Well, not, what's going on? What's going on is that the federal government, like any, anything else, uh, they're seizing the moment, carpe diem. It's uh, when you look at look at what Canada did with legislating cannabis. That's all they're going to do. The federal government's going to step in, and there's not going to be a war amongst the states. States' rights are going to get trumped by federal law in the U.S., and they're going to allow come up with some form. And the NCAA will participate in this. You got to remember, you know, they respectively had Condoleezza Rice, you know, on the Adidas investigation. So they'll, they'll, their lobbyists will go to Washington and say, you know, we, because it can't be uncontrollable. And this could easily get uncontrollable very, very quickly. In other words, now they're coming back and saying, okay, they can get paid on their likeness if they maintain a certain grade point and a graduation rate, right? Um, because you don't want some kid. That won't. Uh, that's that's a really really interesting uh, place to draw the line. Because you know you've got the situation in college basketball now, where they're all they're one and dones. But you remember that goes away here in in twenty one, I believe it goes away. So uh, the fact that California said yes, but they pushed it off to 2023. They want the NCAA to step in and figure it out for themselves. Correct, right? Because yeah. California has lots of Division One schools, Division Two. Everyone thinks of the NCAA being only the bigger schools, the Power Five schools. But there are lots of junior colleges, uh, Division Three schools, Division Two schools. There's o- over 1,000 total institutions in, in the United States that belong to the NCAA brand. So for clarity, they gave time, all right? They said, you know, we're going to do this if you refuse to act. And the Power Five was always threatened that they could walk away from the NCAA and manage herself, which which they which they could. So uh, Lead One has a top 11 co- conferences. Tom McMillan, former politician, is the CEO of Lead One. Uh, uh, NACTA, which represents all of the athletic directors, uh, they're in Akron, Ohio, Um they they manage, you know, from the standpoint, the athletic director perspective. But the worst part of this is, as an example, you could have a guy that works for a car dealership and get a hold of a player and say, you know, come down here and we'll give you five grand to help us sell cars, right, or use your image. And worst of all, they thought the agents were bad. Now you'll get, yes. the, run- you'll get the runners all over the place because – Every Fortune 500 company could associate themselves with a kid. They could do deals with agencies. So agencies could use that as a a bigger branding issue for the kid to sign with them. But the whole system is set up right now. They want to tie it to what surprised me was most of these institutions have gone to a curriculum called general studies. So to keep athletes eligible, you don't have to pick a major. You can just keep taking classes and passing those classes. You can take a blend of communications, recreation, PE, because quietly they haven't said the way we're keeping these guys eligible is we put a new curriculum in. It's called general studies. So 
they say that they're getting a free education, but what do you do with a general studies degree when you when you leave college? You know, you take a sales job, right? The issue is you got to go to work. I think, Mike, I want to get you involved uh, in this discussion because you've uh, you've actually done some research into economics of. Uh of sports franchises, perhaps not at the NCAA level, but you're you're familiar with economics <coughs> of sports. Uh, the M- uh, the NBA, the NCAA is a multi-billion-dollar business. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what extent should student athletes participate in that revenue? They're essentially getting paid indirectly because their college educations are being paid for if they take advantage of that benefit and they stick around long enough. But a college education in the United States is worth a lot of money, a lot of money. Uh, I agree. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay? And quite frankly, and and this is where you get, this is where you're going to get the dichotomy between the stars, which represent the small minority of the student athletes and the real student athletes that got to get their educations and get on with their lives. So, how how do you divide that pie in a fair way? Well, that's no different than playing professional sports, where you have the stars making all the money, and the lesser lights are the ones that you know carry the team and, and then fill out the rest of the roster. But as far as the NCAA goes, you know it's been a slippery slope for years because the whole issue has always been that the football program supports most of the other athletic programs, football and basketball. Mostly football, yeah, and uh, and then basketball with the big schools. Yeah, so I, I think the real so that starting right there has always been claiming poor. So I mean, but where do you draw the line as far as paying a kid or giving him something? Like all these schools have their own day. I mean, Notre Dame is an example. They change they change athletic companies like they change their underwear depending on whoever writes the biggest check. So how does a player sign up with a certain agency to go with a certain athletic brand, and the school's got a contract with somebody else? You know, you're talking about grades. And the kid has to maintain a certain scholarship level or a scholar level, level to maintain his status in the school and to get the endorsement. Well, they just pay the parents to wear, like, to, you know, bring the parent on board and pay the parent to wear the equipment to the game or the, the, the uh, garb well, to the game. Except they got rules against that. But, well, no, but, no, but not if the kid's under contract and they're allowing oh, them to pay Oh, if they're under contract, okay? yeah. So, I mean, I think the bigger issue is, is that how these, that the money that's being actually generated, they $14 billion they talked about last year yeah. for these schools. But how the money's being generated, I think, is another issue you've got to bring up. And these things are all, all these schools are under the form of a charitable donation when they make donations to the school. And they're reaping the benefits of this because they're tax exempt, the guys that are making the donations. So the money that's there, are we ever going to know that number? So do I believe the players should get something at some point? Yes. Butch, can you foresee the day? Um, is, is this, is this going to steamroll to players, uh, NCAA players receiving paychecks? Are oh, we, are oh, we I, headed I think, that I, way? I think they're going to, I think, no or, or how are they going to be properly? You just put it in one pot, right? So, yeah. the, so the football team, regardless of your star, they're going to get a, a specific share of the pot, right? Because the whole likeness piece is the Ohio State football brand is the complete football brand, right? That logo has value, huge value, and the lowest guy should get some piece of it. No different than um, the licensing money in the NBA. The players receive those checks at periods after they're done playing, right? But again, <clears throat> we, the North, is split up. The players get a part of that. All right, the owners get a part of it, and it, it works as as long as related party transactions aren't hiding something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, 
So and and what so is that, sorry? Go ahead. So what will happen is, will they do it with full disclosure? But the easy solution is, yeah, we're going to give you likeless money. All right. Every year, I probably get five or ten cards of me as a player at Indiana that people have said, "Will you sign this?" This is a you know like a baseball trading card that was done back in the seventies of me as a player with Bank One. All right. And I never sign them, won't sign them and send them back, right? Because at the end of the day, this is what we're talking about. That all the way back to the 70s, they sold my likeness, all right, in their uniform, all right, and said that my education was the repayment for that, all right? The education is not tangible, the reason why. But it's quantifiable. It is, it's the quant- cost of it is quantifiable. Mm-hmm. It, right. But let me let me go through the okay. quant, all right? You're the professor, right, yep. at the School of Business of Indiana, and I walk in amongst other another 500 students that are in, all right? So what's the real cost, all right? You've got to be there anyway, all right? So there's, say there's five athletes in the class, all right, which wasn't true in Indiana because I know I was the only one who graduated from the School of Business in that time frame. So it, there is no real cost. The dorm, all right, the dorm was built on state money. To see what you keep forgetting is that states keep funding the assets and the university as a charity reaps the benefits. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. Think, think of the value of, of the Raptors if they were a charitable organization and they didn't have to pay tax. Part of their organization is. The operational side is a tax exempt and is a charity. But the problem with the charity donations is less than 2% actually go to charities. <laughs> right. How do you address this potential criticism? Uh, and I think you, you, I think you are developing a solution. Is that there's a very small minority of athletes, student athletes in a university, aside from the, the the programs like volleyball and swimming, where the endorsement opportunities are slim or if not minimal, unless you're, you know, the modern equivalent of Mark Spitz or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Five percent. They say less than five percent of student athletes in 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 the top programs would would actually benefit from this. That their likenesses and their endorsements would actually be solicited. Is that I, so? so I think, you say you, those they go out and they can sign their own contracts and whatever, but they got to put it into a common pot for the benefit of everybody. I don't. I don't. I think what the the reason that they put everything off is that the universities have to sit and say, how do we want this internally? I think there's going to be a whole new department. So your Alabamas, your Ohio states. You know, your, the whole SEC conference, the Big Ten conference, there's going to be a whole new division created to manage the contracts. So if you look at it from a process flow standpoint, you can't have every business have the ability to contact any one of your athletes whenever. They've got to, it's got to be a chain of command, which could cost a player ineligibility. If, if the, if the contract doesn't go through this department, all right, that's designated by the university to manage the contracts. Because I believe you do it the same way you have a collective bargaining agreement. You put all the players in one pot, all the royalties come into one place, and then they're distributed. At the end of the day, you need to have the right to audit to make sure you're getting your fair share. But there's a cost to the university to manage this, all right? And so out of that cost, the cost, some of the cost should be covered. But that's the only way I see it where I could disperse it to more than 5%. 
right? So I can disperse it to all those 90 guys on the football team. All of them are going to get get another check. They're already getting a check for cost of attendance. Cost of attendance. Okay. Right? That's a recent uh, that's a, change. That's a recent thing, but it's real money. There are Power 5 schools that athletes are graduating with cars and thirty or $40,000 in their bank account. Cost of attendance is staggeringly wealthy in a in a power five conference Anyways, as you know you're just touching on this i mean th- this thing can just this thing can explode uh, on its own and you know exponentially every oh. year it's going to like they're, what they're going to do like think about from a recruiting standpoint if california is the only state that's allowing this well that's that, that, recruiting- that even the california governor says you want and all the other states are all jumping on the bandwagon right. like really fast well, that's what i mean so the, and that's why california left it to 2023 go- to leave let all the other states or the federal or the feds take, but take charge better, of it. You're going to get left behind. No, it, it, it'll be impossible. Yeah. So what's going to stop a major sponsor from going into the school and get, and working the deal with the school to recruit the kids? Guys, on, on that note, unfortunately, I got to yeah, jump in. Enough. I got to yeah, jump in. Coming. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. We got to go to break, and uh, we're going to be back after break. Talk a little bit of soccer with Carmen Marcantonio, and then uh, the end of the show, guys. We'll have a few minutes to uh, perhaps. Uh, uh, get back into this one or into something else. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra-large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches, steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. 
Real Tours Media, creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough yeah, was wise. is the not little, The little guy. I'll... Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. On the phone with us now, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, Carmen and Marcantonio. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Hey, Walter, good morning. Under the weather a bit, as you could probably oh, okay. hear from my voice. Just yeah. to let you know, in studio with me this morning, Michael Wilson and Butch Carter. Uh, Carmen, I want to get into it like real quick. Yeah. What a huge week in soccer in the Toronto area. It's one of the one of the biggest weeks in soccer that I can ever remember. Let's start off earlier in the week. Canada, the United States, 2 nothing Canada. They totally dominated the game. Um some incredible new young talent, Alfonso Davies, and some so many others on the Canadian team. Uh, you're, you, I know you were at the game, Carmen. Uh, Canada's looking good. Tell us all about it. Yes, uh, Canada finally is uh, it's looking like a team that could compete in the world stage. It bodes well because it has a lot of young players. You mentioned probably the star player of this team, Alfonso Davies. A uh, great story with Alfonso. He came to Canada as a refugee. I think he settled with his family in, in Calgary. And then uh, he got a tryout with the academy in Vancouver, the Whitecaps. Uh, and uh, as a 14-year-old, he went through the system. And uh, he was already playing for the first team at 15. And as we know now, uh, Bayern Munich, one of the greatest clubs in the world, Paid for Alfonso Davis a transfer fee over over twenty million uh, euros, uh, if if I'm not mistaken. Right. They, were, they were not even dollars; they were euros. So you you, you do the math. <laughs> that, that tells you that tells you the talent. Not just Alfonso, who's only Alfonso is only nineteen. He's going to think he's going to be nineteen in November. Uh, but uh, you know he's going to be a superstar, I think, uh, because he's got all the tools. He's got speed. He's got skills. He knows the game, and uh, you know, for a 19-year-old Bayern, I think uh, put all the money uh, on the line because uh, they know that with some more development, he's not playing much with Bayern Munich in the first team. But he made he made some appearances. Carmen, I can't, I, let, let me ask you about the, the the what I found shocking about the game the other night is obviously Canada has not beaten the United States since 1994. We actually have never even led in any game, and it was to me it was kind of shocking how Canada dominated dominated the game. Uh, uh, the Americans looked looked bewildered out there. Uh, 
was this uh, was this the setup? Was this how Herdman coached the team? Is is the American team that bad? Is the Canadian team that good? I know there's a rematch in Orlando on November fifteenth. Is this a reshuffling of uh, the North American order in, in, in soccer? I think it's a, it's a growth that we've had uh, as, uh, as a Canada national team. Uh, you know, there's a lot, you mentioned a lot of uh, the young players. I mean, the team that played the other night, uh, most of the players are, uh, you know, teens. There's a couple of teens, uh, Alphonse, I mentioned, and then uh, David is only 19 also. And all the other players are in their 20s at the prime of their career. And there were only two or three players at 30. So a very young team, very talented team. And this is a product of the development that we've had through the MLS in the academies. You know, with, with these players developing, most of them in the Toronto area, believe it or not. I mean, most of them, I was looking through the roster. And I would say a good 80% come from uh, Toronto and vicinity. Uh, so that tells you the hotbed that we have in, 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 in Canada of uh, youth. And uh, it's, a, it's a work of many, many years, Walter, with the professional teams comes, uh, coming to Canada. This is the result. And all of a sudden, we could compete. I think the last time we beat the U.S., you, you mentioned, it was in my era. Uh, I, we never lost in my time, which was just prior to 1984. I played against U.S. a couple of times as a as a national team player, and I think uh, those two player games we were one hmm. one and we tied one, if I'm not mistaken, in Seattle. So we were always superior in the 70s, but then uh, you know the, the U.S. in the, from the 80s on, they, they became uh, much better because their program in soccer. The development program was much better than us. All of a sudden, uh, we have a system in the CSA. Uh, they've seen, the, you know, we have um, a lot of credit goes to, I think, uh, Jason DeVos, because Jason is uh, the technical director for the CSA, and a lot of credit goes to Victor Montagliani, who's, uh, who's, uh, who's um, the managing director of the CSA, and Victor Montagliani, um, uh, I'm sorry, Peter Montopoli, Montopoli. Peter Montop is the managing director, and Victor Montagliani, the former president, now now the president of CONCACAF. I think these three men, uh, with with the Jason DeVos uh, having, uh, I think having probably the last time that uh, Canada beat the U.S. was with him as a captain of that Canadian national team that won the Gold Cup in I think in, in the eighties, early eighties, probably eighty four, I think it was, and with Jason. Jason with uh, Coach Herdman, they put a program together with the, all these young players, uh, scouting staff that are doing a tremendous job, and um, and I think it bodes well for the future. Walter, kind of really quickly, uh, as a former talk show radio host in this uh, in this market used to say, "Time is our enemy." Uh, really quickly, a huge result down at uh, BMO last night. Uh, uh, the the TFC and uh, DC United. Uh, could have gone, uh, you know. DC scored uh, in in injury time, and then four goals in in overtime. Uh, really, really quickly, I'm going to wrap up the game for us. And uh, how's it looking for TFC yeah. from here forward? Well, they showed character yesterday, and uh, because we are with the Canadian team in, in those 15 minutes of the first overtime, extra time. I mean, the best player on the field by far 
what was um, uh, what's his name uh, Osorio, a Canadian boy from Brampton that was also excellent against the U.S. That tells you everything how how far the Canadian boys have come, and the two actually the two top players on on those on that extra time was Osorio and um, Luria that scored the, the second goal, and Osorio scored two goals. So those are two players that played against USA. And they were the top players on the, on the field for thought for the TFC. So the team showed character, a great win. It's going to be tough against New York for the for the semifinals, uh, but uh, we could uh, we could see them in the final again. I think they they in the momentum. Is good. They won a lot of games, a bunch of games. They haven't lost. Well, they're undefeated, either. undefeated in eleven games, Kaiminen. So they're they're on a roll right now. And uh, on that note, unfortunately, Kaiminen, we're going to have to let you go. And uh, hopefully, the TFC keeps its run going. Uh, Nations Cup is heating up, so uh, we're going to get you back real soon. Yeah, exciting for soccer in in in, in our country. Certainly is. Thank you, Kaiminen. Uh, you know how much we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for okay, your time. Okay, Walter, take care. Keep okay. well. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, had to catch up on uh, the soccer, but you know what? Uh, you guys may not be as passionate about soccer as I am, but keep an eye on this Canadian national men's team, Butch. They are, uh, they've got some really good young talent, and uh, if they make, uh, not that they're not going to win the World Cup, but the goal is to make the World Cup, and I think we've got a good shot the first time in a generation. Gentlemen, uh, we've got a few minutes left, and Butch, we'd be remiss. We didn't talk a little bit Raptors because the season's starting. And the biggest story, Siakam, $130 million, four years. Good or bad move or no choice? Well, I don't think you have a, you don't think you have a choice. You have uh, historically the Toronto franchise, even though they just won NBA championship, has allowed four Hall of Fame players to lead. And Siakam has grabbed a huge block of a foundation of hopefully going forward. So the issue for how much he makes uh, and what percentage of the cap in the future, you know, that's, that's questionable. It always is, but you just need to see right now they have to replace, I told you 2,100 minutes of hall of fame play from Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Uh, Last year when he did not play, the team was very sustainable. It was healthy. They won more games against the Western Division than any other team in the history of, of the Raptors. It was an outstanding achievement. Uh, they were actually better against the Western champion than they had against the Eastern teams, Milwaukee and Philly. So, you know, without seeing them practice, without understanding what's going on internally, um, my evaluation of Siakam at the end of the year was that he, he is not a Hall of Fame player. Um, because he has no off-the-dribble game. Basically, he cannot take one or two dribbles and pull up and just make a shot, um, which historically Hall of Fame players are what we call great A to B players. A is where they catch it, and B is where they want to take it. Uh, he is awesome in transition. Anatomically, he doesn't fatigue, which is a huge advantage. Um, but does he go from being, you know, Second team all defense. Didn't have to be first team. Second team all defense and up a scoring average by six points. Um, that would help. But the most important thing in the East is teams need to be healthy. 
They need the Raptors need to be healthy. Their load management needs to continue, which they did a good job last year. Um, but I don't know who's going to take up these uh, two thousand one hundred minutes. Your assessment, Mike, uh, more so perhaps from a fan's perspective. You know, we're all uh, we all we're all. Uh, disappointed Kawhi left. I guess we're all over that now. It's business, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, we're basically back to where we were two years ago. I see this as a better team than the team we had two years ago. Uh, hope is not all lost. We've lost a superstar, but your, your perspective on it. Well, it's like anything, once you win, it's once you win one, it's almost in, infectious to win the second one again and becomes, and, you know, winning is contagious as just as losing is. So fans are going to be thinking the same way. The expectations, the bar is going to be risen to a level they've never experienced in this city before, especially after what happened last year. So the players, they know that too. They read the papers. They speak to the fans. They know what happens walking around the streets. So the, they're going to feel the pressure. And, you know, in Siakam, he's going to, he's now a high paid guy. He's going to have to deliver and he's going to be feeling it. And, you know, the fans, once again, like the Maple Leafs, are going to be, have to be patient because, Obviously, everybody's going to be gunning for them right off the beginning of the year. And the team's going to have to, as Butch says, they've got to stay healthy and maintain that level. Butch, where do you, uh, where do you forecast uh, this Raptor team? Um, I mean, two years ago with, De- with DeRozan in here, they won, what, 58, 60, 58? Yeah, 58. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is this team, I, I see this team as better than that team. But I don't see them winning fifty-eight games. I don't. I don't care. Well, so what, I, I don't so care. Where, how do you how do you assess they, where they fit? I think they finish second or third if they're healthy. I think they'll finish second or third because they've proven over the last six years that they're very consistent about how they play. What Kawhi did for them is that they analytically dominated the first and third quarter. Games were basically over at the end of the third quarter for most of the games he played in, and that carried over clearly in their West Coast trips when he when he didn't play. Um, they just became a different mental team, and they were never that mentally tough as far as managing the analytics in the first and third quarter uh, with DeRozan. And so they mo- they moved on from him, and and they should have. It the reward is tremendous, you know. Um, the only team outside of, outside the U.S. to ever win an NBA championship is remarkable. It's remarkably good for everyone. So I, I think they, they know how to play. Uh, they need to be injury-free. Gasol is older. Um, but someone on the wing, they've got to get a wing player that can play. Um, and Freddie Van Fleet can't have any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, but you, you're speaking to us off, uh, off uh, Mike, about uh, that statistic you have with uh, DeRozan and, and Lowry mm-hmm. and the first and third quarter statistic. I mean, I, I thought that was fascinating. Do you want to share that? Well, I mean, they for a period of five years, they had the best record in the East, but they had one of the worst for winning the first and third quarter. So the problem with that is that when you talk about this word load management, that means you're playing your players deep into the fourth quarter. When you don't play your players deep in the fourth quarter, when you do play your players deep in the fourth quarter, the next morning they will not practice. So it's a double-edged sword, right? Um, Most people, most coaches have no understanding of, I can say win the first and third quarter, but the reality is that the way practices are run, coaches make it almost impossible to win because it requires a certain adjustment 
in practice. But didn't you say that first and third quarter, if you won those, you eighty five percent of the time you'll win the game. In the playoffs, you you won eighty five percent of the game. And with DeRozan and uh, Lowry, they were they were below fifty percent. But they still in the regular season the regular, they won way more games. They won what because the East was bad. There were some teams that were going through some distinct, you know, that were poor. Charlotte was extremely poor. Orlando was extremely poor. Atlanta was extremely poor. Brooklyn was extremely poor. So they piled on the wins, but from a long-term efficiency, they were third below par. Anyways, guys, our time has come to an end for another uh, Naz and Wally Sports Art. Butch, I hope I wasn't too tough on you today. No. <laughs> No, it's kind of mild. It's kind of mild day. <laughs> I have to make sure I went easy on you. Anyways, Mike, uh, Mike Wilson, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, Naz, pleasure. I hope you're doing fantastic out there. I hope the sun's still shining on you. And Butch, always a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we've got a lot more basketball discussion, and it's just going to start heating up this week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to all much. our listeners. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.